if you want to be in a different position this time next year than you are today, there has to be things that you get uncomfortable with in your life. You are listening to episode 26 of the Level Up Your Wedding Film Business Podcast. Have you ever wondered what's possible for you? If you were to just push past the point of comfort and contentment and go all in with a goal you have in life or in business, well, that's exactly what my friends John and Nick from How to Film Weddings did. And the results? More than they could have ever expected. I'm your host, Taylor Petrinovich, and at the core of the show, I want you to feel inspired to take your business to the next level. And I want to give you the tools and practical advice to help you along the way. So let's level up together. The theme of today's episode is pushing past your comfort zone. John Bunn and Nick Miller are prime examples of that, having created a huge community and educational resources for fellow wedding filmmakers. But pushing beyond what you're comfortable doing doesn't have to be something as huge and daunting as starting an educational brand. Pushing past your comfort zone could be using a new drone or gimbal technique at a wedding that you haven't quite mastered yet. It could be attending an in-person wedding industry networking event in your area, or even raising your prices. We are all in different stages and on different paths with our own lives and businesses, but I know that John and Nick's story will inspire you to do more. John and Nick started the How to Film Weddings podcast in 2018 and have quickly become the largest wedding filmmaking podcast on the planet. With tens of thousands tuning in and a growing Facebook group with thousands of followers, it has become the hub for conversation and growth amongst wedding filmmakers in the wedding industry. Not only are they both running six-figure wedding film businesses on their own, but they are continuing to push the wedding film industry forward as they focus on issues most are shying away from. Their podcast is a balance of business and art and has seen success beyond what they could have imagined. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yes, of course. So excited. You're so welcome. We're glad to be here. Yeah. Well, I think that you guys are a pretty big inspiration in the wedding film industry as a whole. But first and foremost, it's amazing to see the types of things that we are capable of doing when we take risks and push ourselves past our own comfort zones. And the two of you are obviously excellent examples of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love to start from the very beginning so we can get a better understanding of the two of you and your own wedding film businesses. So can you tell me about how each of you got started and a bit about the journey that you've taken um, to get where you are today? Sure. Nick, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I, I don't care. Is, you're, you're, you go okay. first. I'll go first on this one. Um, yeah, I started in 2007 filming weddings before <clears throat> Google was really a big thing or Facebook really was around too much. Instagram didn't exist. Um, a friend of a friend was getting married through uh, a church friend and they just said, we'll give you 500 bucks to film your wedding and or to film our wedding. And I was like, 500 bucks? Like, I'm rich. Of course, I'll do whatever you want. I'll shoot for a week. I'll edit for a week. I'll do anything. And so... Um, yeah, I started in 07, did my first wedding with my wife. We handheld little mini DV cameras and, uh, I fell in love with it. It was so like, I don't know, invigorating. I was like, this is so great. This is so cool. And I had a background in film school type stuff and was just like, this is, this is me. And so fast forward a little bit. Um, I have now shot 500 or more weddings. I've lost count somewhere around the 500 range. Um, and yeah, we're here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm shooting about 20 a year now, and we're focusing more on the higher-end ballroom luxury market here in Tulsa. Do a little bit of traveling. Um, that's the basics of Redeemed Productions, my 
video company. And then uh, 2018 or so, I met Nick through Facebook groups and had him shoot a wedding with me. And I'll let him talk a little bit about that. But um, we shot a wedding together, realized we'd be good bromies, and the rest is history. <laughs> That's it in a very cool. small bromies. nutshell. Yes. <laughs> bromies. Love it. So, uh, yeah, my name is Nick Miller, and uh, I run Wild Oak Films with my wife, Jen, in Wichita, Kansas. Um, I uh, went to school to be a youth pastor, so that's what I was doing for, for quite a while. And uh, my wife started a photography business in 2010, and um, I, you know, start, I, I did some shooting with her, but I wasn't like, ooh, I love photography, but I would help her out, you know. And then she got the Canon 5D Mark II which did video. So I started playing with it. And, um, the director of the church camp that we went to found out that I had this camera. So he asked me to be the video guy at camp because the guy he was paying to be the video guy at camp wanted like $10,000 for the week or, you know, at that time it was something that he thought was just totally ridiculous. And so he asked me to do it and I was like, sure, why not? So I did it and I fell in love with it. I really liked just doing video. And because my wife was a photographer, I kind of had some ins with brides and couples. So I asked a couple of them if they wanted a wedding video and they did. And that's just kind of how, how it got started. I was Nick Miller films back then, but then, uh, whenever, after our son was born, um, Jen stopped doing photography and came on, you know, beside me full time. So we were a husband and wife team officially. And so we changed our name to Wild Oak Films. Uh, I've been doing this full time since 2017. Um, we have more of a um, kind of more an adventure outdoorsy kind of vibe, um, more more than John's, you know, uh, elegant ballroom kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, we'll do that kind of stuff, but more like the outdoorsy boho kind of stuff is more of our vibe. And then, um, yeah, in 2018, uh, I actually, so here's the story. I went to the very first venture workshop. And from that, one of the things that I, uh, learned was, Hey, you need to be creating your own education content. Like I said, I was a youth pastor for 11 years and teaching, educating was kind of a hole that was, that I still wanted to do that wasn't being fulfilled. So I started making YouTube videos, I made one, John saw it, he liked it. He was like, I wanna do education stuff, um, but this is like the feel and the vibe that I want with it. And so I shot a wedding with him and then we just started talking and we created a YouTube channel which didn't get a ton of traction, but then I was just asking him more and more questions and we started this podcast, How to Film Weddings, and it just kind of caught on and took off. So uh, we've been we've been doing that for, the last, you know, year and a half or so. So there we go. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, John, you said that you do 20 weddings a year-ish. Nick, did you say, or did I not catch that? Catch that? I did not say. Um, we're, we're trying to keep it around 20. Um, last year, I think we did 27, which was more than we planned, but it, I mean, it worked out great. Um, so this year we've been telling everyone 20 and we've raised our prices enough where we're, you know, I think we have 18 right now, but because of, you know, all the COVID stuff going on, I'm willing to take a couple more, you know, if they come my way, a few more, if they come my way. So. Yeah. Uh, all of mine have rescheduled and I'm down to seven for the year. Oh. So that's oh, wow. tough. Yeah. Um, so to kind of get an idea of just your own 
wedding film businesses. We'll get into the how to film weddings stuff in a little bit, but um, what's sure. kind of like your average pricing, both of you, so we can get an idea of kind of like the growth that you've seen throughout your journey? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. You get to go first this time. Oh, I get to go yeah, first I this time. I almost okay. went. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right now on our, our website, we have listed that local weddings start at think $49.95, so $5,000 locally. Um, and that is uh, eight hours of coverage, six minute film, and their ceremony, um, which is what we included in that. So uh, that's it. And then, um, you know, we kind of, I, I stole the, the pricing system from John. So we kind of have a big, you know, big package, which is like everything they could want. And then that base package, which is designed to be more of an a la carte option, um, where they can add stuff on. And then, uh, depending, you know, where, um, our, our travel stuff kind of starts, you know, if I have to drive more than five hours, it's going to start probably about 6,500. Um, and then if I have to fly, it might be a little bit more, but you know, I kind of, I kind of have a, a fluid system where it's kind of based on, this is what I know I want to make. And then how bad do I want to go to that location? So I'm still charging them for travel, but I might not charge them as much if, you know, I really, really want to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, on my end with redeemed productions. So, um, we've been like slowly raising our prices every year. I always wanted to get into the, get paid as much as you can for each wedding. So I don't have to shoot as many weddings kind of mode. And so to do that, we've had to really up our branding and just our, in town, we are known as one of the, you know, the more expensive higher end, you know, and so we've really, we really showcase just the, the ballroom weddings or the luxurious weddings or the destination weddings that are just like next level. And by doing that for year, year after year, we have raised our prices now. I mean, our starting base rate is 6,500. That is two shooters for eight hours in a six minute film. That's it. Um, we have an all-inclusive package that Nick was mentioning that he copied from me, um, which is like everything, and that I believe is at eleven thousand. Um, but a la carte options are you know kind of in there. So most of the time, people are buying our sixty-five hundred dollar package and then upgrading a few things to it to make it between eight and nine thousand is what they're averaging this year. So um, we've had a few people bite on our all-inclusive, which includes like the rehearsal dinner and everything, and that one's 11000 So that was just kind of like, let's just put it out there and see what happens. And it saves them a couple grand if they do it that way. And then this is for some of these more, you know, the high-end weddings that just want to buy your biggest thing and move on instead of feeling nickel and dimed. It's just like all-inclusive. Mm -hmm. I get you for my rehearsal as long as I want, the wedding day as long as I want. Like I'm very happy with 11000 bucks for a weekend. So sure, I'll be there all day. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me to get there at eight in the morning and stay till midnight. That's great. I don't care. So, um, but yeah, that has taken a really long time. Like I mentioned, I'm 13 years into doing mm -hmm. this. Um, since meeting Nick, I've seen him go from like $2,900 or 2,500 or something to like his $5,000 starting range and seeing him book eight or $9,000 wedding. So it can be done. And that's a lot, you know, we talk about that a lot on our podcast, but just like taking a slow, steady approach at building your brand, continuing to serve people. And over time, like you get there, it feels like overnight. <laughs> So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, each of you definitely serve like different markets, but you're both seeing 
wild success in those respective markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been obviously quite a journey, like you said, um, even just when you met Nick, um, John, that you were charging just under 3000 But that's even a huge jump from when you were kind of piggybacking on your wife's weddings, just shooting the video. So um, for both of you, was there like a turning point or like something that happened that shifted your mindset into wanting to keep pushing to where you are now. Nick, you mentioned going to that first venture workshop. Um, I went to the third one, the one in New Mexico, and I would definitely say that that was like an event that stands out in my mind, in my own business. But is there anything else that you would attribute the the motivation or the mindset to wanting to keep pushing? For, for yeah, go ahead. You can go first this time. For me, we'll, we'll, yeah. keep, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll go, do the alternate. We'll alternate. Okay. You're next. Um, yeah, for me, so like I, there wasn't much like workshop or education stuff out there in 07. I mean, there were things, there were creative lives, and there, but like I didn't do anything when it came to like a workshop or um, networking or anything like that until I was like seven or eight years into my business. Like it was, it just didn't, it wasn't what it is now. It was, people were very secretive of their tricks and their tips and like they, there wasn't podcast and things. But for me, I remember, um, I don't know how it happened, but there was a wedding at a country club, like my third or fourth year in where I have no idea how they found me and they booked me for like a thousand bucks. But I started to realize that they were spending a ton of money, like they, like a ton of money. They were flying a band in from another state. They were, it was just like, wh- why am I doing the video of this? And I was just like, if I do this right, I could probably start charging like 3000 bucks, <clears throat> excuse me, and like use this wedding as my reel for next, next year. Cause, and I was like, I didn't realize it, but people are spending so much money on their weddings. I grew up, you know, a middle-class family, nothing fancy, like my wedding, not like didn't go crazy, had no idea people were spending this kind of money and in my backyard, basically here in Tulsa. And so like, I get to this wedding, it is next level. I brought a second shooter that I wasn't paid to bring. I lost money on the actual wedding because I really wanted to use that as a promo piece in a real. So like I got there earlier, like hours earlier than I was supposed to. I stayed later. I brought out my slider, which was new and it was so cool. And like, um, you know, I just went next level, you know, obviously it was, if you watch the film, it's very terrible. Um, but you know, this was in 2009 or something like that. And so, but I used that and I saw that and I thought that I want more of that. I want to find more of those and I want to, so I just started each year cherry picking just the two or three weddings that kind of seemed next level to me and using those only to push and only, and it's like, if I can keep getting more of these and showing more of these, I can keep raising my prices. So when somebody came to me and said, I saw Stacy's wedding video from last year the one that the country club, I want that package. I was like, Oh, that's my $3,000 package. Even though I only charged them a thousand for it, but I shot that one. Like I wanted to charge the next year. And I kind of kept doing that. Like this year I'm going to shoot like what I want to charge next year. And I'm going to shoot this year, what I want to charge next year. And sooner or later, it just really started to grow. And then the majority of the weddings about five years ago were all like nice high end weddings. And there's nothing wrong about not being a high-end wedding. I just knew that with my time, with my family, my situation, that I only wanted to do ones that were willing to pay me 
the max rate so I didn't have to shoot as many, but that took a long time. Three years ago, I shot 52 weddings still, and then two years I shot 39, and then a year ago I shot 26, and then now it's like 18, and so like I'm slowly getting down to like that 10 to 15, which is my ultimate goal, you know, one a month, something like that, and charging 10,000 plus for those weddings. So there wasn't like a moment, but I, I think that that first wedding where I saw them spending money, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this kind of wedding. Not, I want to do this. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Those big weddings are not just in movies. Like they exist yeah. and they yeah, need and there, a videographer. <laughs> there were a lot of them here in town that I didn't even realize. So yeah. How about you, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's really like kind of three things that I really um, look back on that kind of helped shape and form my business where I am uh, today. The first one was, is I knew um, just from my wife, she has always been real big into education and learning. And I saw that with her photography business. So pretty early on, I kind of exhausted the creative live um, stuff, which I think is still around. I don't even know. But the the video stuff um, from there, and I wanted some more. So I reached out. I was actually shooting a wedding in Tulsa, and I reached out to Sarah Pendergraf of Penn Weddings, and I said, hey, would you do like a one-day mentorship if I come like the day before my wedding? And she was available, and so I did a one-day kind of sit down, learn from her. That helped me a lot, like technically speaking, you know, just what I should be looking for in my films and how to improve in that stuff. So that was, that was one of the first times I really invested myself. The next one was I did a, it was an eight or 10 or 12 week mentorship with David and Harmony Reynosa of Forestry Films. And that radically changed my business. I mean, just thinking about it, uh, David is a great, you know, business mind. Like they, they're very good at crafting their films and what they're creating and that kind of stuff. But he was, he was the first like business minded person that I really talked to. And so he just helped me, you know, uh, helped me kind of figure out a little bit more what I was worth and, and what I was charging, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, I did mention the first venture. It was really kind of interesting going to, to that one because I was definitely one of the more experienced as in just how long I had been a videographer, you know, filming weddings um, when I went to that thing. But like I said, I picked up a few things that really changed our business. Uh, well, uh, making, you know, some education stuff, which ultimately led to how to film weddings. But also um, one of the things I walked away with was I'm going to do same day edits um, you know, just a little loop. And that was something that Kaylin and Christine had done with white and reverie. And we took that and that's, that was kind of the start of the catalyst. And then I got to know John and um, seriously, just him encouraging me and pushing me and challenging me to raise my prices and become better has, um, you know, that, that that's what I'm seeing. I, so I owe a lot to, to him. Um, the story that he kind of alluded to was um, whenever I shot with him the very first time he, we were just talking about pricing and he was like, so what are you at? And I was like, well, I'm probably averaging, I, I it was around $3,000. I can't remember the exact amount, but it was around $3,000. And I was like, how much did you get for this wedding? And at the time it was like eight, 8,000 was the wedding we were shooting together. And I just looked at him like, wait, what? And then he told me, he goes, Nick, your films are better than mine. And if I were as good as you are, I would be charging $12,000. And like, and I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So it, so it, that kind of gave me the confidence and I don't know if he was being serious or just like wanting to elevate the industry or, or, or what was, was going serious. on, but it, it gave me the, 
Yeah, but it, but it gave me the confidence to say, okay, maybe I am worth this, and maybe I am, I, I can charge more, and you know, kind of uh, the John encouraging me, and then the same day edits, like. Obviously, I'd put in six years of work to get better, but those two things, the encouragement and then trying something that no one in the region was doing, um, I think really in 2018 is really kind of when we um, started to see a lot and a lot more success. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of human nature to settle into that comfort zone. You know, it's comfortable. Mm. It isn't scary, like once you kind of settle into things. And I think that's the beautiful thing of the power of community. And you guys have obviously done such an amazing job of creating um, community with How to Film Weddings. Like you have other people telling you that you're worth more or just like pushing you um, a lot more than if you were to just sit in your office all day and like not interact with anyone else in the industry. Yep. Bring that classic, fine art look of film photography to your wedding films. The Illum LEDs offer a rich palette of colors and beautiful soft tones that can help you achieve that gorgeous fine art look that brides absolutely love. I personally use these LEDs for my own wedding films, and from the very first time I used them, I was hooked. They've helped me elevate my brand and my business, and my clients have never been happier. Visit illumlets.com and enter the promo code LEVELUP15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. That's I-L-L-U-M-E-L-U-T-S dot com and enter the promo code LEVELUP15 to save 15% off your purchase. So I just touched on this, but running a business, especially in the first few years, um, is very uncomfortable, like all around. The shooting, you're learning all of the gear, you're learning how to run a business properly, all of that. Um, we're solely responsible for everything that we put into our own businesses and so everything that we reap from those businesses as well. So it's kind of a lot of pressure. Um, and that's true for wedding filmmakers, but um, you guys took it to a whole other level <laughs> with how to film weddings. So can you guys tell me about what triggered you to kind of go down that rabbit hole of the education with a podcast, the YouTube channel, and now your courses? Yeah, well, I... So whenever, whenever we got together, um, John has always been really, he's just a forward thinking person. If you talk to him, like he's already kind, he already has mapped out in his mind, you know, how he wants things to look in 2023, like right now, hundred um, you know, probably, probably even a little bit further. And so he, you know, both of us, and this is a conversation that I think a lot of people have in our industry, um, you know, me being you know, I'm 38 right now and I'm probably one of the oldest, you know, video photo people like in our area, you know, like, like that, that's, that's an old age to be doing this kind of in our industry is what it seems, especially when you have a lot of photographers that are, you know, in their, you know, 22, 23 and, you know, they're shooting these big weddings and that kind of stuff. So, um, we're, you know, as, as I talked to John, he's like, you know, education is somewhere where I want to go. And if I'm looking forward in the future, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I don't know if I'm going to want to shoot weddings, you know, in five years, but how am I going to, you know, bring in some more income, you know? So that, that was kind of the start of that idea. And, you know, like I said, he saw that video and he liked that style. Um, at that time, um, that was whenever wedding film school, Craig Adams was definitely phasing out, if not already phased out, there was definitely a wedding film education hole. Um, on YouTube. And, you know, we, 
we believed a lot of this. I mean, you can make money from YouTube. Like you will be honest with that. You can make money. But I think a lot of people have a really big misconception on how much you can make. Like, I think whenever it first started, people were making thousands and millions of dollars a year, but they've totally changed, you know, how much you can make. So we were like, oh, you know, we could make $10,000 a month from just our YouTube videos, which- Like from ad revenue? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, mean, like those, those kind of conversations, which we found out very quickly- that's not easy. And, you know, we can't, can't really do that, um, without other stuff. So, uh, we, we did that and the YouTube videos just never really caught on. Um, we got some that, you know, people enjoyed or whatever, but then we were just talking one day and we sat down and we recorded a conversation about, I was talking to John about how he was getting these, you know, bigger weddings. And we were like, Hey, did we just make a podcast? And we did, and we decided to, you know, commit, okay, we're going to do this for the next six months and let's, let's kind of see where it goes. So I'll let John fill in anything he wants to from that story. Um, number one, the YouTube stuff. So Nick and I did this, the wedding together where I had him come out, um, and shoot with me and we started talking and we started talking about like, Hey, education stuff. We came up with the name, how to film weddings. And, um, so from there, we did start putting together these YouTube videos, um, just like little tips and tricks. And we did that for like two months and then the wedding season happened. And so I don't think mm-hmm. it was that they didn't like hit hit. I mean, we had gained hundreds of subscribers at that point, I think. nothing. Cr- it wasn't crazy though. Like, I mean, and so That's we took a break. That's really good for two months. <laughs> yeah, we took, we took a yeah. break during the summer because it was just like, this is crazy. But we kept like talking and fleshing out the idea of, do we want to do like, where do we want to take this kind of thing? And so like came, came around to like August, September, um, we started really talking about like bringing back the YouTube channel, started doing some more videos. And then, um, that's when we recorded that conversation just about how to make more money booking bigger weddings. And it was like, we recorded a podcast. Let's, you know, and I remember having the conversation with Nick that was like, it's going to be 24 months of us doing this before anyone knows our name. Are you willing to do that? You know? And so, as we looked at it and stuff, it was like we both kind of agreed, yes, we're going to do this on top of our regular job. Um, we talked to our wives. We, you know, it's like, are you cool with us doing this? We're going to be spending some extra time. This is, you know, like Nick said, I'm 35, he's 38. And it was like, I don't not want to shoot weddings, but like, I also can see this being a natural transition for me to get less weddings and interact with more wedding filmmakers and educate and teach while still kind of shooting a handful of weddings. Mm-hmm. And so, um, after it was launched, we just went to town. We just went to town. You know, we were in every Facebook group, just telling people about it. We were, you know, reaching out to tons of new people and just like putting in work in a non like spammy way, just slow, steady day after day, like gaining two or three more people listening and, And then sooner or later, it was like we had 10 or 15 episodes. And I remember asking and finally getting, you know, some of the bigger names in the industry on. And once they came on the show, it kind of gave us this validation. And at that point, like Nick was saying, there just wasn't, you know, any other podcasts going on, any other things. And so we were like, fire. It like just hit and people started joining um, and listening. And then we created our Facebook group and it started growing. And then like, a year and a half has gone by 105 episodes or 103 or whatever. And now it's like completely changed our lives. So it's, it's really crazy. It feels like it, you know, like in hindsight, it's like, oh yeah, that we, 
you know, a year and a half from now, we're going to be making all this money and doing all this stuff and getting to speak all these places. Like in hindsight, that's a lot easier to like, but if you don't have any guarantee, it's just like, am I wasting my time? Like, am I wasting Nick's Mm -hmm. time? Like, is Nick's wife going to hate me? Is like, is my wife going to hate Nick? Like, and it was like, ultimately it came back to the fact that it was just really fun for us to talk about weddings and we enjoyed it. And I love talking about business and how to grow. And I love seeing the look on someone's face when they're like, I charged a thousand dollars more for a wedding and I can't thank you enough. Like mm-hmm. we're going to pay our bills this month. Or, and so like that passion mixed with our work ethic, like it really just worked and it really hit. And so it's changed our lives. It's unreal. I don't even know what the question was, but I just talked for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. I think I just asked like how you guys got started with it. So that's there you perfect. Go. That's the story. <laughs> Yeah. So I will ask another question. Um, were you guys ever like nervous about this whole new venture that you guys have going on? Were you ever like afraid of failure or discomfort? <laughs> I was not. I was never like afraid of failure, but um, I would I would say it is nerve wracking to put out your your thoughts onto the Internet just because you don't know how people are going to perceive you. And I was very cautious for a long time, like Several years ago, before meeting Nick, I had recorded a lot of content that I like kind of started putting online and then like took it off and like had like, I I think I had purchased WeddingCinemaSchool.com when WeddingFilmSchool.com was taken. Like it was like I I was trying like reaching, but it's just like it felt wrong. So like I was a little nervous, but like whenever Nick and I together had this look and this vibe and he was so meticulous about like the graphic design and the 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 way that it felt and it was just like ah oh, this looks and feels legit from the second that we started it was it wasn't like oh i don't know what i'm doing i felt confident in the product itself so i just knew that if we could get people to see it it would it would take off and so like i i wasn't ever nervous about that i was nervous a few times early on with some of the guests that we have um, I remember the whenever I had Patrick Moreau from Still Motion on, or he's from Muse now, and he's an Emmy Award winner and like my video guy hero. We, like I've learned, like I learned everything from Still Motion whenever I got going. And so when he said he'd be on the podcast, I remember Nick was sick or Nick's wife was sick or something. Yeah, my wife, my wife was sick and I wasn't able to be and on I that was one by myself I had to take care of the kids. And it was like, yeah. uh, Nick, I'm about to interview Patrick Moreau by myself. And so that made me really nervous. But other than that, um, there's been a couple of guests where I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're about to interview them. But about three months in, I was just like, oh, everybody else is just regular. Like, I, I haven't been in, I haven't been nervous one time. So, Yeah. Yeah. The, the only, the only thing really for me, I think that was difficult was, you know, as you're, you know, Taylor, as you know, you know, building, building a podcast, you know, building something that you're, you're passionate about, but you know, you have another job and you're passionate about this and you want to grow it, but you know, it's might not be making you enough money to pay the bills. And so that was a conversation I had with my wife a lot when I was like, Oh, I need to edit this podcast. And she was like, but you don't get paid for that and here you have paying clients and you're not editing their videos like mm. 
Yeah. You know, like, like that kind of, so, you know, we had, we had to have conversations, you know, I had to have conversations with her a lot. And then, um, that really eased up whenever John and I started, you know, Hey, we signed a sponsor and that kind of stuff. But, um, and then yeah, we started bringing in some, that was a really good day. <laughs> that was a good day. <laughs> Our wives they, were like, we then, love you now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then whenever, you know, we signed on to do our, our course, you know, then she was like, okay, okay. You know, I, I understand what's, what's going on here, but I mean, I, I was willing to, to put in the work and I was excited about it. Um, I could see, you know, the potential of where it could go and that was worth it to me based just on the potential of where this might go. Um, and I mean, it's, it's blown away any of ex- expectations that we had, you know, John said, you know, 24 months, um, and no one might not know our name for then, but like he, and he told me after a while, he was like, I was thinking we would do this for like six, eight, 12 months before we even came up with a name for it. Like he thought we'd just, you know, do a podcast and talk about weddings and not even have a name. So, um, it, it it's just really cool to, to look back and see how, how much it has, has progressed. But, um, it was there's a lot of, there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes and, you know, a, a full-time job on top of your full-time job. Oh yeah. Really? So. Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy to think of all of the things that can come when you just kind of like take a leap of faith and you just venture out and have faith in yourself and put in the hard work. Like it's amazing. You know, 24 months ago, what you guys are doing never existed. Uh, back in December, what my podcast didn't exist at all. Like you just got to take a leap yeah. of faith and just go. Yeah, and I and might can, say you're that, you're killing it. You're doing a great job with your podcast. I'm a big, you know, I've obviously messaged you a handful of times. Just said keep going. You're doing great, and that's been a cool thing too on this side of it is like being able to encourage others that want to create content, whether that be on a podcast or YouTube or whatever. But like giving people that encouragement and that nudge to to do something like this, and it does it it doesn't ever start like where it is, you know. When we started, we didn't do video. We didn't have nearly the graphics or the, th- but like we had it enough to get going and that pushed it further. And then we tweaked as we got going. And so like, I'm always encouraging other people, other podcasts and things like that. So great job. You're killing it. Thank you. Honestly, it means probably more than, you know, like it's so much easier to just like not do the things, but when you have someone just kind of rooting for you and in your corner, it makes it a lot easier to keep going. So I really appreciate that. You are quite welcome. (laughs) Cool. So um, I think we all kind of struggle with um, getting out of our comfort zone. So if you have um, anything to say to someone who might be listening, who's just kind of like on the brink of maybe starting something new or maybe getting to the next level of their business or, you know, maybe speak a little bit about why they should just go or a little bit of words of encouragement. I think that one of the big things that um, our industry really struggles with is like a price raise, mm-hmm. you know, just increasing your prices and charging a little bit more. And um, I, I think that so many people think that whenever it comes to raising their prices, let's say they charge two thousand dollars and you're like, oh, you need to raise your prices. And I think in their mind, they're automatically thinking, oh, when they see raise my prices, that needs I need to go to three thousand or four thousand or five thousand dollars, like drastically, drastically raise their prices. And I think that uh, uh, some advice that I heard a long time ago, which we've used in our business, uh, especially when we were started going, was from Jasmine Starr, who used to be a you know a big time photographer in Southern California. Now she's uh, Instagram 
guru influencer kind of lady. But she said when she was starting out, she had her price. And then every third wedding she booked, she raised her prices $300. So every three weddings she raised. Now that did not matter if she had shot them or not. Whenever she booked that third wedding, she raised their prices $300. So that was a way to, you know, raise your prices just a little bit. So that as you continue to go, you're continuing to raise your prices. You know, um, don't don't think of, you know, if someone's inquiring with you 18 months from now, in 18 months, you're going to be 18 months better. And I think that that's a hard obstacle for a lot of people to overcome is thinking that, well, I haven't, you know, shot very many weddings. Yeah, but you have 20 weddings lined up before you're even going to shoot this one. So you can charge more because you are going to be better. You know, future future you is going to thank you. Um, and especially whenever you get that first one where you, you know, have your big package that's, you know, double the price of your normal package. And once that one person books it, you're like, oh, like this is possible. Like people can pay money. So I would I would say if, if pricing is that thing that you're um, – struggling raising or you know you sure you want to and it makes you scared don't do a massive huge jump you know start with a couple hundred dollars or 300 or whatever's kind of comfortable with you but then always continue to push that and at some point you'll hit a plateau right you'll you'll hit a point where people aren't going to book you anymore but most people if they can afford you where you are if you raise your prices 500 dollars, they can still afford you Mm -hmm. like and they're not going to bat an eye so yeah that's good can I go philosophical? Heck yeah. <laughs> so Nick is talking about prices and and, uh, and I was going to potentially go that route. So um, as I'm sitting here thinking, it's like the the best things in my life have come from a place of discomfort. The worst things in my life have come from a place of comfort. So, um, you know, in December, I, I woke up one day. I realized all my pants were on too tight. I couldn't fit in anything but sweats. I had put on like 35 pounds in like the last three years and it came from buying a new house, having a new kid, getting really comfortable in my super rad house and in my couch and eating cookies and being really comfortable and like watching movies and hanging out and Netflix and, and that's fun for a season and I still enjoy lots of comforts in my life. But, you know, in December, I realized I have to get uncomfortable with my health. And so I hired a trainer. I stopped eating things that I shouldn't eat. And I annoyingly bugged Nick almost every day with how much weight I was losing. I, I wrote down every meal oh, that I he had. Would, he would tell me he would tell me his scale weight for the day. He would tell when he was on the treadmill, he'd take a picture of his feet like he was he was on and it. I'm still I mean, on he was it. excited, it, it, but it's uncomfortable. You it's are very uncomfortable. Like it was very uncomfortable to be hungry and to have a headache from not having enough sugar. And like and that was uncomfortable. And so that's one thing in my life or like getting engaged. You know, it was like the the getting to know my wife and that was easy, but it was an uncomfortable like little bit to like ask her to marry me. Like I was uncomfortable. It was an uncomfortable situation. Like what if she says no? What if, you know, and so everything, you know, that you, if you think about it, all of the good things in your life most likely came from some type of an uncomfortable situation. So if you want to be in a different position this time next year than you are today, there has to be things that you get uncomfortable with in your life, whether or not that is waking up early and getting uncomfortable with, you know, being awake before the sun or if that's a health goal or a financial or a faith or a fitness, like all the things that like could be, you know, making up you as a human being uncomfortable is is where you grow. And that is out of that hard pressing. That is where 
you become the better version of you that you want to be. And until you take the steps and draw the line in the sand and say, I've had it, I don't want to not fit in my pants anymore. Like until you've had the I've had it moment and until you're willing to get uncomfortable, nothing's going to change and you're going to be the same person in 12 months that you were today. And so my encouragement to you, you know, if you're listening is like the uncomfortable things in your life are what make you who you are and the things that you're going to be the most happy about at the end of your life. Preach. Best answer ever. (laughs) (laughs) There's my, there's my soapbox. I'm getting back down. All right, guys, so we are going to wrap up the episode, um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I love chatting with you, um, and I hope we have an opportunity to chat again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my conversation with John and Nick. If you haven't already, you can check out what they're doing on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, their podcast, all with the handle, How to Film Weddings. If you're enjoying the show, I would love it if you would rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and until next time, friends, just keep pushing forward.